Acts chapter 1, please, if you join me there. Children's Church can be dismissed. Everyone else, join me in Acts chapter number 1, please. Morning, Jim. <laughs> You're later than Vince. This is horrible. Nobody's later than Vince. <laughs> okay. All right. Only because I can and because, okay. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, please, if you'd turn there, please. Um, Jesus has risen from the dead, and um, we've covered all the, the gospel stuff, all the things leading up to it. Mary Magdalene was the first to see him. She <laughs> thought he was the gardener. And then the Galilean women saw Jesus, and they embraced him, and they held him by the, his feet. And then Peter met Jesus, and then two men on the road to Emmaus then Jesus appeared in the upper room um, to over 120, and uh, interestingly enough, without Thomas. And then a week later, he meets in the upper room with Thomas. He then meets Peter while Peter's fishing. Peter doesn't know what to do, and he takes some disciples with him. And Jesus reminds him, I need you, Peter. I need you to help me. If you love me, I need you to serve me. And then he meets at an appointed spot in Galilee, and it is believed that this is the spot that is referenced in 1 Corinthians 15, where it talks about over 500 people saw him at the same time. And so it's not just Jesus appearing to, oh, he appeared to Peter, okay. And, you know, I mean, in a, in a court of law, and Peter says, oh, I, you know, I saw Jesus risen from the dead, that's proof. And people would immediately say, well, yeah, you're one of his disciples. Uh, and, and others would say, well, we saw him. Well, you're all, you know, 500 on one occasion. And it even says to the point when this was written that the, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that the most part were still alive as witnesses to this day. Jesus also appeared to his brother James, and I think he appeared to all of his family. And uh, to all of the apostles, interestingly enough, he says appeared to the 12, and then to all the apostles listed as two different groups. And then Paul says, last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. We come to the book of Acts, and the Acts is a transition book, or kind of the bridge book between the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the life of Christ, then we have the resurrection and the ascension, and then we have the coming of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send another comforter like unto myself, and he will be with you, and he will be in you. And then this is what happens after Jesus leaves, and he says, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the innermost part of the earth. And the book of Acts records that event. And, so, and then we have from there the different epistles that were written by Paul and by others. Uh, and the book of Acts kind of links the gospels with the epistles. And again, it's a continuation of what happens after Jesus is gone. 
The writer of the book of Acts is Luke. And uh, interestingly enough, this is a, you know, this is an interesting trivia type question, but Paul wrote 13 books of the Bible. And Hebrews were not sure about whether he did or did not. If Paul did not write Hebrews, then Luke wrote most, more of the Old Testament than anybody else. Because if you put, put the words of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, 24 chapters there, and Acts, you put the 28 chapters, you put those two together in their length and in their entirety, those are more words, those two books are more words than the 13 books that Paul wrote, okay? And so it's like, wow, <laughs> okay? So Luke is an interesting character. He's called the beloved physician. I wonder how many... No, sorry. You all went to the same place. I, it's like, I wonder how many physicians are... Oh, they love me. I, no. Um, he's Paul's companion. If you read in the book of Acts, one of the things that's gonna, we're going to find interesting as we go through it, Paul is gonna, or Luke is going to write, they did this and they did this and this is what happened. And he's going to give historical accounts of what happened and what took place. And then finally he's going to come to a place where he'll say, we did this. We went to this city. We did this. And Paul, Luke is going to be one of Paul's companions. And why do we have so much information about Paul? Because that's where Luke was. <laughs> and that's who Luke is writing about. He's a historian and again wrote the Gospel of Luke. Verse number, verse number one of chapter one of Acts says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. So he references his earlier work in the book of Luke. He says, I wrote a former treatise. There was one I wrote before this. And it, the book was about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day that he was taken up, until the ascension, after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. And it says, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion uh, by many infallible proofs. He says... Um, I wrote an earlier gospel, an earlier treatise, and he's writing to an individual called Theophilus. Now, this is an interesting, mm, I don't know what, what you want to call it, interesting possibility. The word Theophilus, theos is the word for God, and phileo is the word for love. And so he says, um, the former treatise have I made, O God lover, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. Theophilus means lover of God. Now some of us suggest, and most people suggest, that Theophilus was a real honest-to-goodness person, and that just happens to be what his name means. Others may suggest that Luke was writing to anybody who loves God. <laughs> oh, lover of God, you might be a Theophilus. Are, are you a God lover? <laughs> you, know, you might be Theophilus. You might be the guy that Luke is writing to. And uh, it's, it's kind of neat where it's uh, just a general, you know, general phrase I'm writing to any lover of God or whether it's a specific individual. Of course, it's a Greek name. So um, Matthew was written to the Jews to prove that Jesus was the king and that all the prophecies were true concerning him. Uh, Mark was written to the Romans to show Jesus as uh, the perfect servant. And uh, Luke was written to the Greeks to show Jesus as the perfect man, and John was written to the world to show him as the Savior of all mankind. The book of Acts is written about 63, 64 AD. Significance is the crucifixion, resurrection of Christ is approximately 30 
A.D. So we're 30, 33 years from the time of the events of Jesus' resurrection that, that uh, Luke is again referencing it at this particular point. Your Bible may say the Acts of the Apostles, possibly better named the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because what the book of Acts is, is how the Holy Spirit worked through the lives of the men uh, that are listed there, and the Holy Spirit's work in the early church uh, as the, the church grew and expanded uh, in the time after Jesus' departure. The Holy Spirit's work in the early church, and again, bridges the gap between the Gospels and Epistles. There are two key men, and in, in, uh, there's a number of different ways to divide up the book of Acts. Uh, the first part of the book of Acts deals with uh, Peter. Peter is the main subject of, of what takes place. We learn a lot of things about Peter that we did not know before. Uh, and it's interesting to me uh, that Peter quickly gets over. He denies Christ. He went out and wept bitterly. Feels that he's totally worthless. Can't, you know, I, I, have, nothing to do, I have nothing to do. I have nothing to contribute. Jesus follows him all the way to the Sea of Galilee brings him back, says, do you love me? You know all things, Lord. You know I love you. And they said, okay, then feed my sheep, then get back involved with the ministry. I need you. And it doesn't take him long to get back in the saddle and, and start going again. And Peter, it is an incredible story. Uh, first part of the book of Acts is about Peter. The second part of the book of Acts is about Paul. We're introduced to him and his salvation story in Acts chapter 9. And so the book is, can be divided, Peter, Paul can also be divided by cities. Everything starts in Jerusalem. Go back to Jerusalem. Go back for Jerusalem. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Wait for power on high that's going to come upon you. Go to Jerusalem. Uh, preach the gospel in Jerusalem first. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Jerusalem. And then what happens is they be, there becomes huge persecution in Jerusalem. And most of the believers leave Jerusalem. And they head up north to a city called Antioch. And it's from Antioch that they sent out the first missionaries, Paul and Barnabas and so forth. So again, the book of Acts is the first part of the book is Jerusalem and all the stuff that's going on in Jerusalem. And, and thousands of people coming to Christ and thousands of people being added to the church. And then the persecution and then they go to Antioch and the church again spreads out from there to the world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the world. The book of Acts is filled with many speeches and many sermons. Uh, one of the reasons there's lots and lots of words is um, Luke writes them all down. Uh, they made a speech, he wrote the speech. He, uh, sermon, he wrote the sermon, so he writes it all out. Former treatise uh, is the book of Luke. I, I want you to keep your place here in Acts chapter, um, Acts chapter 1, thank you. <laughs> um, and turn to Luke chapter 1, if you would, for a minute. Luke chapter 1, I don't know if I have those verses on the screen or not. I do, okay? Then you don't have to turn, okay. Um, always be suspicious, by the way, when a pastor says to you, oh, in such and such a place, you don't need to turn there, but in such and such, you always go like, hmm. So if you're like me, you immediately turn there just because he told you not to, okay? Um, <laughs> but Luke chapter 1, verse number 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth an order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Luke says there's lots of people who decided to write things down about Jesus. And, and, and of course, this makes sense. Um, the fact that we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's four Gospels that tell us all about the life of Jesus. And then we have John saying, if everything was written, the world could not contain the books that should be written. 
Do you realize how many people probably wrote something down about what Jesus did or Jesus said? Do you realize how many people would have written something? You know, if, if, if you went to an event, if, if I went to Lazarus' resurrection, if I was there and Lazarus rose from the dead, you think I'd write that and tell that to somebody? You bet. <laughs> and Luke says there's lots of people who have written things down. Many have taken in hand to set in order these things that we believed. Verse 2. Even as they delivered them to us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. He says, he says I got my account from the eyewitnesses. Luke is a historian. Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. But he's a historian, and he basically is going to be interviewing and talking to all of these disciples. He's going to try to get a historical facts right. He says, I talked to eyewitnesses, people that touched Jesus, people that saw Jesus, people that heard Jesus firsthand. He said, it seemed good to me because I had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Luke says it was one of the things where it's like, we don't know how old he is or how, how this fits in reference-wise, but he says, I understood it from the very beginning. I understood that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. He said, I understood these things. I had perfect understanding from the very first. So I wanted to write these things in order. Again, most excellent Theophilus. And here we have Theophilus again, mentioned in Luke 1, mentioned in Acts chapter 1, the lover of God. And he said, I write these things, and I got these things from, many people have written things, but the things I've written to you, are from eyewitnesses, that you might know of a certainty these things wherein thou hast been instructed. I, I want to make sure you know these things for certain, that you may know these things for certain. So he says, I wrote a former treatise, and then he says in verse number two, after that, after Jesus was taken up, and the book of Acts, I mean, the book of Luke goes from the birth of Christ to the ascension of Christ. Uh, and so it covers all of it from start to finish. And then he says, after that, uh, it's through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Uh, commands were given, directions were given uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then Jesus proved he was alive, verse number three, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion. Many undeniable proofs, infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days. And again, the reference here would be to 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul lists all the people that saw and, and uh, came across Jesus, and he said these are undeniable proofs, being seen 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. One of the things I want you to remember, put in the back of your mind here, is the 40 days. This is the only place in Scripture that tells us the distance between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, Okay. Rose from the dead, Sunday, you know, the Sunday after his crucifixion, he rose from the dead. Here it says it was 40 days till he ascended. And again, Luke the historian has the, the dates, the time, the numbers, and so forth. This is the only place 40 is, is listed. But then he says Jesus was talking to us during those 40 days. He talked to us about the kingdom of God. Now again, many, many times in Scripture it talks about kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Um, you can just kind of just write it down. This is what God, God rules over, God's in charge of. But if you want to be specific, the kingdom of heaven is what Jesus rules over right this very second. Now you can say, you know, he, you know, he rules the world. <clears throat> it is kind of interesting, though, their song, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Well, according to scripture, it's the, uh, it's the, the evil one that has the whole world in his hands, okay? Uh, it's not 
God. But of course we understand God is sovereign in control of everything. But right now he's allowed the devil uh, to have some to have some influence, and of course during the tribulation he's going to have a lot of influence. But when we pray in the Lord's Prayer and it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're talking about as in heaven, as you rule things in the kingdom of heaven. We desire that to come to earth so you would rule things everywhere in that manner, in that way. That's the kingdom of God. That's everything. That's the final. It's and you can say we're all, it's all part of the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, don't want to, you know, don't want to strain in that in, in this particular thing as well. But kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, and he says, talk about all these things. And he tells them that the Holy Spirit will come, uh, being assembled together with them. Verse number four. Commanded them that do not depart from Jerusalem. Why don't you go back to Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, you have heard of me. And again, he talks about this promise of the Father, which we've mentioned over and over and over again. Uh, they have gone, by the way, we'll see later, there's a reference to it, but they are, uh, they are at the Mount of Olives, is where Jesus has given him this, these last instructions. He says, what I need you to do is I need you to go back to Jerusalem. Do not depart from Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. Peter, don't go fishing. Okay, Go back to Jerusalem, Wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. And again, the promise of the Father uh, is what we looked at before. Next one, I guess. I will pray the Father. This is where Jesus tells, is telling them about the Holy Spirit and the, the comforter that's going to come. I will pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter, like unto myself, that you might, he might abide with you forever. Okay? Um, by the way, this, this is important stuff even as far as eternal security is concerned. When the Bible talks about the fact that when we put our faith and trust in Christ, the Spirit of God comes and dwells within us. According to Ephesians chapter 4, he's there until the day of redemption. And uh, he's not going anywhere. And so if when I put my faith and trust in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells me and he's here until the day of redemption, when do I lose that? So, I will, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance uh, whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, who the Father will send. It's the promise of the Father. My Father promised he's going to send somebody else to take my place. Next. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So he tells them again in Acts chapter 1, verse number 4, he says, being assembled together there at the Mount of Olives, command, don't depart from Jerusalem, go back, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit, wait for the promise of the Father, which I've told you about before. John baptized with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he even gives them time. I want you to wait, it won't be many days, okay? It'll, you know, what's that? How many days is that? Two a couple, three a few, not many. Not many, okay. He gives them an idea of how long, it, you're, I need you to wait, not many days. And it's interesting again, it's, God's timing again is an interesting factor here. Could he not have instantly, as soon as they got back to Jerusalem, zapped them with the Holy Spirit? 
could he not, right there on the mount, while I'm going up, the Holy Spirit's coming down? Wouldn't that have been cool? I mean, that would have been like super cool. <laughs> Jesus is going up, and the Spirit of God descending like a dove, like he did in, on Jesus at the baptism. But no, he says, I want you to go back to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait. <laughs> what are we waiting for? And if I ask the question, I promise you, Peter asked the question, and James asked it. Okay. They asked, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Is it really going to happen? And you wonder what the conversations were like as they waited for who, and they don't even know what they're waiting for, except they're waiting for the promise of God, the Holy Spirit is going to come in some kind of form. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, again, the word baptism means placed into. Baptism of John was water, you're placed into the water. And again, very, very simply, the reason that we believe at Factorville Bible Church in baptism by immersion is because the word baptize means to place into. And to be placed into the water, sort of, I don't know, you figure it out. It seems, seems to work. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is, is placed into us. Okay? And again, the Bible talks about being baptized by the Spirit. It also talks about being filled by the Spirit. This is another issue where it is confused in many areas and many congregations. Uh, this issue gets confused. Baptism of the Holy Spirit happens once at salvation. The Spirit of God comes upon you and, and he, he dwells within you and he'll be there until the day of redemption. Uh, it's once at salvation. It's forever. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's a once forever. You're born into God's family in the same way you're, Jesus uses the term you're born again. You can't be unborn. Uh, you can't, you know. And so um, that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Filling of the Holy Spirit is a, is a uh, many times, it's, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. Uh, it, it comes under the category, it says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's in Ephesians. The drunk with wine, don't be under the control or influence of wine or strong drink. Don't let that control your life, but be filled. Allow the Holy Spirit to control your life. The word filling has to do with the idea of control. When you say yes to God, then you are being controlled by the Spirit of God. And again, when dilemmas and things come, and, and we've talked about this many, many times in regards to other areas, but there's a temptation to do evil, and, it, and, and, and we've, we've, seen the, you know, we've seen the cartoons where the little guy's on the shoulder, you know, the little devil's on one shoulder and the angel's on the other shoulder, you know, and it goes, yeah, here, you need to do this. And they go, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun to do that. And he goes, no, no, don't. Oh, no, no, I shouldn't do that. And, and there's a battle that goes on and so forth. But the fact of the matter is the Spirit of God is going to lead you into what is truth and what is right. The Spirit of God will say, no, this is not right. Do not do this. Uh, somebody, somebody says something, you're going to come back with a sharp word. I, I, believe that, you know, that I believe the Spirit of God, right before you say it, says, don't do that, don't say that, don't say this, and you do it anyhow. You're now yielding to the flesh. You're doing what you wanted to do. You did not listen to the Spirit of God. You are not controlled by the Spirit. You are not filled with the Spirit. Okay, you might be filled with something else, but you're not filled with the Spirit of God. Okay, and but when you go like, mm, and I don't say what I want to say, it's like, mm, I'm a Christian. I've got to be a testimony. I can't do this. Now the Spirit of God is getting control. Uh, that test, I, you know, I, I see the answer on somebody else's page. Oh, I would have thought of it anyways. It would have come to me eventually. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Why not write it down? 
no, it's not right. It's cheating. I'm not going to do it. Am I listening to the Holy Spirit or am I listening to myself? There's two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And, and you, you make a choice, and when you choose to do things God's way, you are filled with the Spirit of God. This is God leading you. I'm following his direction. I'm under his control. But if you're like me, it's like a light switch. <laughs> Sometimes I'm doing what God wants me to do. Sometimes I'm doing exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and it's on, off, on, off. And so the filling of the Spirit happens many times, uh, but... Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a permanent thing. Then again, he says, verse number six, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They're, they're not giving up on this. It's amazing how they're like, um, you know, <laughs> and you think about this setting. Jesus has taken them to the Mount of Olives. He's basically giving them his final farewell, okay? So, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to Jerusalem and wait, implying I'm not going with you. Okay, I'm staying here. <laughs> you go back to Jerusalem and wait. God's going to send the promise. I'm leaving. The Spirit of God is coming back. And they say, um, how about the kingdom? Are we going to start that now? Because <laughs> are you not paying attention? I'm leaving. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so Jesus says, listen, stop worrying about that. I thought that was rain. It's not rain. It is rain. Stop worrying about that. Um, <laughs> it is not for you to know the times nor the seasons which the Father has put in his own heart. I, I, I don't want you to know. How, how long? When? Now? I, I don't want you to know. But what I do want you to know is uh, that you're going to receive power. Verse number eight. Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you are going to be witnesses for me. This is what's going to happen now. Well, what about the king? I don't care. Just don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit's coming. You're going to receive power to witness. And again, we said that word last week. I told that word witness was the word marturus, which, you know, which means martyr. And I'm, I'm giving you a command. You're going to receive power. The Holy Spirit is going to help. And again, this is you know, from our Matthew text. I want you to go preach, teach. And he says, I want you to go uh, be witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. While you're waiting for the kingdom, <laughs> I want you to witness for me. This fits with the parable, but I want you to tend the land until the landowner returns. The landowner has gone to a far country. He'll come back, and will he find his servants to be faithful or not? I want you to witness for me till I return. Till the kingdom comes. I want you to, while you're waiting. And by the way, the waiting part is hard. We're talking this morning about they have to wait for the kingdom. They have to wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait, wait. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you've sat in an airplane on the runway 300, 400 people in this stupid airplane. And you're just sitting there. Waiting. 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 It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a two-hour, three-hour flight. That doesn't matter. You had to sit there for 30 minutes on that. <laughs> it's the waiting. 
It's the traffic jams. I've told you this one before. On, on, my, on my list of, you know, how to lose your faith and how to lose your religion. Put me in a traffic jam on the interstate, okay? Um, <laughs> there's actually some people in here that have witnessed that loss of faith. Um, um, but I think one of the greatest inventions of all time to appease me is the Google Maps stuff. Because I can look at it and it says, oh, 13-minute delay. And I'm like, I can survive 13 minutes because I thought a minute ago it was 13 hours, you know, because uh, you don't know. I'd rather, I'd rather make up some number, and that's all they do, by the way. Make up some number, and, and I'll feel better about it. Um, you know, it'll just be a few days. Wait, 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 wait. It's one of the hardest things we do is wait, is to wait. He tells them to wait, and I want, but I want you to witness while you wait, and I want you to witness to uh, Jerusalem. Factoryville? A little smaller than Jerusalem, but uh, Judea, Michigan, Samaria, ugh, Ohio. Um, <laughs> and then the uttermost part of the world, okay? The uttermost part of the world. While you're waiting. Verse number nine. And when he had spoken these things, they looked and they beheld. And he was taken up, raptured, if you please. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, bear with me. I, I'm, this is going to be opinion, totally opinion, but you have to agree with me. That's all there is to it. Um, Bible says when the rapture takes place, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, boom! Like, like, before we could even imagine or think, if the rapture took place right now, boom, we'd be gone. We're with him. I don't think he went up that fast. I think it's a slow motion. I think this is, hey, you know, I don't think his feet's touching the ground anymore. Hey, you know, he's about, oh, this is cool. <laughs> this is awesome. I think he took his time. And they stood and said, they stood gazing and staring. Because it's not like, where'd he go? I think he took his time going up. <laughs> another, another, another thing I saw that I, I, I've read this passage hundreds of times. It's something I had never seen before. It says, they saw these things and he beheld he was taken up in a cloud the cloud received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, okay, so in, seems like there's time here. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. I don't know what I thought before. <laughs> but if you please, I'll be Peter for a minute. Time I look down, there's two guys standing beside me. <laughs> Where did you guys come from? It's not two angels appeared in heaven. Jesus goes up and two angels appear in the sky, and it's like, it says they stood beside him. Hey, what are you guys looking at? Uh, well, I, <laughs> where'd you guys come from? What you, <laughs> they were just there. They stood beside them. The disciples looked steadfastly. What else are you going to do? What? <laughs> This would demand our attention. 
Why, why are you just standing there? You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken from you in heaven shall come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Where else are we going to look? What else are we going to look at? Why do you just stand there? I told you before, this idea of, like I said, when I was a kid, it was uh, all these moon shots and rocket launches and things of that nature. And we would actually um, dismiss school for everybody to go down to the auditorium or the gymnasium and watch a TV viewing of the rocket taking off. And three o'clock school is supposed to be dismissed. And at, at 2.45, T minus one minute and to launch, uh, Houston, we have a problem. We're on hold. <laughs> and so the thing would always launch while we were on the bus coming home. Uh, so, but it was like, if you watch the rocket launch, you're just watching it. You're going to watch it till it disappears. We had the little um, Mylar balloons or whatever. You put the balloons and the helium in the balloon. What do you do? I don't know if you've ever done the ones. You've done the, have you done the fire things? Um, that has a little, little candle in a little fire thing and it, it blows the fire. What are they called? Okay, some kind of lanterns. I always watch because I think I'm going to burn down the woods. <laughs> somebody, if this thing's going to land in somebody else in some tree somewhere, burn down the woods. Um, but we watch as long as we can possibly watch, and that's what they're doing. They're watching as long as they could possibly watch, as long as there's any kind of possibility of seeing them. They're looking, they're staring, and he goes, okay. Uh, guys, um, he's gone now. Why stand you gazing up? It's time, you know, he's going to come. Now, look at this promise in verse number 11. The same Jesus. When people sometimes talk about, oh, when Christ comes back and his kingdom, it's just an influence that, you know, there's going to be a holy influence. That, no, the same Jesus. Same Jesus that you saw taken up is coming back. And he's coming in like manner as you've seen him go. In the same way he left, that's the way he's going to come. He went up into the clouds, he's going to come down through the clouds. It is also interesting that according to Zechariah 14, that he takes off from the Mount of Olives. Guess where he comes back? It's the Mount of Olives. Now, I'm going to guess, if you mark the spot of his launch, you could mark the spot of his return. The same Jesus is, is going in the same manner, and he's going to come back to the same place. Look at the response. This is actually still at the very, very end of the Gospels. Mark's response and then Luke's response to this. Mark says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Now, I don't know if he saw that part, okay? But that's where Jesus ends up, at the right hand of the Father. Luke says, and of course, same writer, Luke and Acts, came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Next one, I guess, I think I started on it. And the disciples, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. I think that's all I've got for that one. Um, with great joy. Well, here's the interesting part. We've got a few minutes to look at it. So they returned to Jerusalem, verse number 12. They returned unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, or Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. 
Sabbath day's journey is 2,000 cubits. Any further than that, you've done work on the Sabbath day. Now, frankly, for me to go 2,000 cubits on any particular day would be work, uh, regardless of whether it's... 2,000 cubits is about 3,000 feet. It's a half to three-quarters of a mile, okay? To walk a half a mile or three-quarters of a mile is the Sabbath day's journey. So if you do, uh, you know, if you do any kind of treadmill stuff and you work out or you ride a bike or whatever... Make sure you limit it to like three-quarters of a mile on, on the Sabbath. Um, Sabbath day's journey. Basically, they're telling you from, from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem is pretty short distance. It's not far. They're not far from each other. And so they come back to, the, back to Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were coming in, they went out to the upper room. And there was Peter was there, James and John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotius, and Judas, the brother of James. Okay. If you count, there's 11. Okay. We're missing Judas. Okay. They all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. I want to talk just a couple minutes about the, the disciples and lists of disciples and so forth. Um, we need to back up. That's forward, back, back, back. Perfect. All right, uh, they decide to have a prayer meeting. At the prayer meeting, it lists the apostles that are there. Next one. List of apostles are found in these four places. Uh, a listing of who are the who are the. I'm, I say I keep saying apostles, but disciples uh, that and the disciples became apostles when Jesus sent them out. But the twelve are listed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts. Okay, and these are the places where they're listed. Every single time they are listed, every single time they are listed, uh, they're in, they in three groups of four, and every single time, Peter's the first one on the list. Peter, James, John, Andrew, okay, not always in that order. Sometimes it's Peter, Andrew, James, and John, okay? Second group is always Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew. Again, not always in that order, but always those four. And then the last group contained... James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotius, Judas, are also called Thaddeus. Thaddeus also is called Lebius. Uh, he has three different names. And Judas Iscariot would be the last one on the list. Judas Iscariot was always, always, always last. Peter was always, always first. And, uh, and uh, he's, of course, not on the Acts list, of course, because he is dead. Okay. Um, so, where are we? It says they all continue with one accord. That's kind of interesting, the accord idea. Uh, they all wanted the same thing. They all desired the same thing. They all were like, what's next? And, and, and what is this Holy Spirit? And, and what is it going to be like? And what is, you know, what is all that going to take place? And uh, one accord uh, in a musical sense would be at least they were in harmony with one another. And uh, it mentions the Galilean women were there as well. Uh, it says, verse number 14, they one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And the brethren were there as well. Uh, the Galilean women was there. Jesus' mom was the brethren. This is Jesus' brothers. They are now believers. <laughs> and again, following the crucifixion, following the resurrection, Jesus appeared to James. We know that for sure. Most likely, yeah, he had to appear to his own mom, right? <laughs> and, and we have you know, the other brothers. And now they're in the midst. Now they're part of the group that are followers of Christ. They're there. They're praying in one accord. And in those days, verse number 15, 
They're supposed to do what? By the way, let's back up. They went to the upper room. They obeyed. Go to Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They go back to Jerusalem. They go to the upper room. They have a prayer meeting. And everybody's in one accord. Everything's good. They're in joy and rejoicing. The Lord, man, we saw him go up to heaven. This is so awesome. And what's next? And they're anticipating and they're anxious. And, and, and what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to wait. They're supposed to wait. Wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't tell them to wait in the upper room or wait. He said to just wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. And in those days, verse number 15, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, and the number of those that were together in this place were about 120, men and brethren, the scriptures must needs to be fulfilled that the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. He was numbered with us and had obtained part of the ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist and all his bowels gushed out. Thank you, Peter. Um, and it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem, insomuch that the field is in the proper tongue, Akladema, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. So wherefore of these men, which have accompanied with us at this time, that the Lord went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John, unto the same day that was taken up with us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of this resurrection? Peter comes up with the idea, and this is a fun part too, because you can, you can take this one. This is like a good ping pong batch, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> was Peter totally out of line in doing what he did, or was this exactly what he was supposed to do? All right, first of all, he gets up and he says, um, while we're waiting, uh, let's have a business meeting. Call to order. Let's take a roll call. We've got about 120 people here. Notice again, who's in charge? Uh, excuse me, sir. Uh, weren't you the one who denied Christ and really weren't going to help him anymore? Peter gets back on the saddle pretty quick, don't you think? This is his nature. This is who he is. And Peter's like, okay, we got to do something about this. Okay? And so Peter holds a business meeting. We need to replace Judas. There's 11 of us. That's, that, that's weird. Like the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, you can't have 14 teams in the Big Ten. That's a sports joke. But that, anyway. uh, <laughs> you can't change the name because it never mind. Um, we're the 12. We can't have 11. Somebody's got to replace Judas. Where on earth did he get that idea? Where on earth did he get that idea? Now, the possibility exists that Jesus asked him to do it. That's possible. There is no record of that anywhere, okay? There's no record of Jesus. Now, another thing, that, and, and one of the things that kind of works against that whole idea is, let's see, how long did I tell you Jesus was on earth after the resurrection till, uh, after the, resurrection till the ascension? 40 days. If we needed another guy... Who picked the first 12? Mm, okay. Who could, have picked a, who could have picked a replacement if we indeed needed another guy? But Peter gets this idea that we need to replace him. And, and this is even better. If you can keep your place in Acts chapter 1, I'm going to run out of time. But if Acts chapter 1, uh, look at Psalm, uh, Psalm 109. And if you can figure this out, you are better than me. Okay. Well, even if you can't figure it out, you might be better than me. 
Um, Psalm 109. This is the passage that he made reference to. Because he's going to later say, um, David spoke and David said in the book, verse 20, it is written in the book of Psalms, let somebody take his place. Okay, watch this. Psalm 109, David is talking about betrayal. Okay, David is talking about betrayal. And, and somebody that I consider to be my friend has totally betrayed me. Verse number four of 109 says, I love them. For my love, <laughs> they, became, they became my enemies. But I tried to pray about this. I gave myself unto prayer. But they've rewarded me evil for good and hatred for my love. Well, set thou a wicked man over them. Let Satan stand at his right hand. And when he shall be judged, let him be condemned. And let his prayer become sin. Let his days be few. And let another take his office. David is talking about somebody who's betrayed him and what he'd like to see happen to somebody who's betrayed him. Let somebody else take his place, take his office. And somehow from that passage, Peter got the idea that, oh, we need to replace Judas. <laughs> well, he betrayed us. Well, we thought he was among us. He was one of our friends, and he betrayed us. And, and Satan was certainly standing. Satan possessed him. Satan was certainly involved with this. He says Judas, he was a guide to them. He was numbered with us. He was part of this ministry. For 30 pieces of silver, he bought himself a cemetery plot, hung himself, then he burst asunder. His apostleship, according to verse number 25, was lost. And look at, actually, let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Look at verse number 25 for a minute. We're skipping ahead just a little bit, but... They choose, and it says that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell. He fell from this. It, this could have been his. Judas could have had this apostleship. Judas could have had all these things, but he lost it all. And uh, it says, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Boy, doesn't that make the mind think a little bit? That he might go to his own place. Well, I mean, obviously we'd say, that, you know, where, where, where is Judas? Well, he's in, he's in hell. He's going to be in the lake of fire. But what is this reference to that he would go to his own place? Solitary confinement? He'll be alone? Or the place that's fitting for him to be? Um, other scripture says, um, better if he had never been born. But we have to replace him. And there's a list of qualifications and so forth. I, I, I think I'm going to stop with this because it's, it's going to drag on too far. But we want to look, we'll look next week at this idea of yes, no. Should we have picked a 12th one or maybe waited for God to pick Paul to be number 12? And then the argument is, is like old Matthias is never mentioned again in Scripture. And Paul takes the front row seat. Well, again, Luke's the writer of the book. Eh, Luke happened not be with Matthias. He happened to be with Paul. So it's, that's not a, fair, it's not a fair evaluation. But we'll look at that. Supposed to, and the other part is they're supposed to wait. 
but what they did do that was right. And, and Ben, I'm going to need you to just maybe speed ahead just a little bit with this. Let's go through the candidates. Just you know, fast forward a little bit for me. Um, go ahead. One more. Uh, another one, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep. Oh, okay, so go back. Now you can, now you can go back, too. <laughs> one more. Perfect. They were told to wait, but it doesn't necessarily mean inactivity. Peter conjures up a business meeting to re- find a replacement. But what they did do that was right, as they waited for the coming of the Holy Spirit, look what it says. It came to pass that while he blessed them, he was parted from them, and he was carried up into heaven. We read this before. Continued the thought. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Look at the next verse. They were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. This is before the Holy Spirit came. When they came back from the mount, they went to the temple. They were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. You realize how many people they were telling about what we just saw? If the shepherds were amazed at the angels they saw declaring the birth of Christ... What do you think these guys that saw Jesus ascend up into heaven, what do you think they've got to say? Next verse. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. And they confirmed the word with signs following. Amen. What's next on the agenda? Well, the next thing on the agenda is the rapture. When's it going to happen? I don't know. What are we supposed to do? Don't worry about it. Just go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the most part of the land. Be witnesses. Tell what you know. Share about the Lord Jesus Christ. And even when they came back, even while they were waiting, they went to the temple, they shared with everybody what they knew, what was on their heart. While we wait... And waiting's hard. While we wait, we need to witness. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. So many things, so many areas, so much to think about. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, promised of the Father, to dwell within us until the day of redemption and will help us in this area of witnessing. May we be faithful. May we do what you've asked us to do while we await your return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this opportunity to hear the word preached at Factoryville Bible Church. Factoryville Bible Church is a non-denominational church in Athens, Michigan that seeks to share the good news of the gospel through a number of ministries in the area, including Factoryville Christian School, Camp Elvin, and the Passive Forward Shop. To learn more about the ministries of Factoryville Bible Church or to support the mission of our church, visit our website at factoryvillebiblechurch.com. Thank you.